Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus for what you are doing. Father, open our eyes that we may see. Open our ears, Father, that we may hear you. For it is important, Father, that we are led by your spirit. It is important, Father, that we hear your voice. We thank you, Father, for everything, Father, in which we go through, knowing, Lord God, that it is building us, it is shaping us, it is getting us to the point where we need to be, Father, as mature, Lord God, children in Christ. And we thank you, Father, hallelujah, for we have not even seen, Father, what you are yet doing, Lord God, through us, Lord God, but we thank you. We are grateful for today, hallelujah, the day in which you have made. And let us rejoice in it. Let us not, Father, murmur. Let us not complain in it, Father, because you have kept us, Father. And we thank you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can you bring the music down just a little bit? Is it possible? Yes, that's good. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank everybody for coming out to Wednesday night Bible study. As always, we are going to continue the series of the prophetic with the languages of the Father. This is number 10, I believe, of the, am I on 10? Number 10 of the languages of the Father. Um, and tonight we will be actually going over probably some things that's not really actually taught on, which I'm excited about. Um, just some things that are not taught on. Some of these things will be um, things that I've already taught on, but I'm going to expound upon it a little bit more for you and give you a little bit more of a uh, spiritual reference or a scriptural reference for it. So we're going to be talking about the gift of prophecy um, tonight. We're also going to be talking about the gift of the interpretation of tongues. We're going to be talking about the gift of healing and the gift um, of working of miracles. Amen. Amen. So let us start with the first one tonight, which is the gift of prophecy. Now, I have actually did a lesson on this already, but the reason why I included it in this series is because we did not talk about it in regards to the languages of the Father. We talked on it as far as a topic is concerned. So tonight we're going to be talking on the topic of the gift of prophecy, which is um, different than the office of the prophet, of course. So we're our scripture reference for tonight in which actually we're going to be using this scripture reference for three other ones that actually I'm going to be teaching on tonight. And then we'll go into some other scripture references for the other ones. So let's go ahead and get started. I'm going to start with 1 Corinthians 12, 5 through 10. And this is the, the NLT version. And that's 1 Corinthians 12, 5 through 10. And that's the NLT version. And it says, there are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. For God works in different ways, but it is the same God who works the work in all of us. So a spiritual gift 
is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Key reference, this spiritual gift is given to each one of us, not so we can keep it ourselves, but so we can help each other. So to one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice to another. He, he, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit, and still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. So, the gift of prophecy in which I went over before, but the gift of prophecy, I will say again, is not in office. It is a speaking gift to build up the body of Christ. So this is totally different, remember, from the office of the prophet, because when you have the office of the prophet, that means that it is upon me to help to equip the body to help you hear the Father and to help you see in the Spirit. But when you are not in that office, everyone can actually operate in the gift of prophecy, which basically saying you're saying what the Father is saying. You're hearing what the Father is saying, and you're saying what you're hearing the Father say. So we also have to, I'm also kind of put out there, that Christ is actually a prophetic spirit. Christ is actually a prophetic spirit. And the reason why I said that, that the same process that we personally are going through, which is hearing and speaking, is the same process in which Christ had to go through when he was in the body of Jesus and he had to hear what the Father is saying and say what he was saying or do what he told him to do. So Christ is a prophetic spirit. And not only that reason he is a prophetic spirit, he is also a prophetic spirit because of the prophecy that went before him in the Old Testament that came to pass and the prophetic words in which he spoke when he came on the scene. Amen. Now, we will go into the definition of prophecy. What is prophecy? Now, Instead of our, like I say, the basic definition that I gave you, which is, I wanted to give you the basic bottom line definition because I'll use some words kind of interchangeably, um, but I wanted to give you the basic bottom line is that pretty much you're hearing the Father and you're saying what the Father is saying. But prophecy is the supernatural utterance or divine communication of the mind of the Father. You're actually accessing the mind of the Father which is being conveyed or being, we're being used um, in a person's original and native language. So when prophecy is going forth, number one, we get direct divine communication from the mind of the Father, and in turn, he uses us that we may hear him and speak through our native language, whether that be English for some, French for another, Spanish for, an for another person, Russian for another person, whatever, but he uses um, the, we have that access through that divine communication of the mind 
mind of the Father, and we speak through our native language. So it is also a miracle of divine utterance not conceived by human thought or reasoning. Now, the reason why it's a miracle of divine utterance because these are not your thoughts. This is coming from the supernatural realm. This is coming from the actual mind of the Father. And a lot of times, um, kind of this is what actually helps people, what I help people in their ability to actually hear the Father. Because it's like, I don't know if that was me saying that, or I don't know if it was my flesh saying that, or the devil saying that. I'm not really sure. And I tell people, though, the best way actually to do that, number one, is you got to know the nature of each thing. You have to know the nature of the Father. You have to become familiar with his word. And that will be pretty much the only way that you would know this is the Father speaking. But if you are not familiar with the word of God, then you're not familiar in which the way he speaks. You're not familiar to his voice. Because a lot of times the, when the d- disciples with, was with Jesus, that's what they were doing. They were getting familiar with the ways in which he would do things. They were getting familiar with his voice. They were getting familiar with his ways, familiar with the kingdom. So that is how we get familiar with him now. We don't have the physical Jesus with us right here in eyesight, but we do have his word. We do have his Holy Spirit. We do have Christ in us which we became adopted into the family of God so we do have the ability to be led by the spirit hear from the spirit hear from the father and know him intimately that way and within the time in which we spend with him amen amen now the Greek word for prophecy is Propheteria, and it means basically to speak forward. You're just speaking a word forward from the Father. It also means discourse, meaning a written or spoken communication emanating or coming from the divine inspiration and declaring the purposes of the Father, whether by reproving and admonishing the wicked, comforting the afflicted, or revealing things hidden, especially by foretelling future events, all with the foundation of love. So the bottom line of what I'm trying to say right here is there's there's different types of prophecies that can come forward. There's different type of prophets that's even in the office that operate in the office in which they do things. There are prophets that speak for the nations. There are prophets that call out your destiny. There are prophets that call out a word from the Lord. There are prophets that edify. There's prophets that uplift. There's actually prophets that send warnings for you know, us to stop certain things or the need to do certain things. So you're going to have different types of prophecies that come forth. So I don't want you to be get close into a box um, and just think about prophecy in terms of, you know, the man or woman of God as far as going forth in prophecy and that's all they're doing is just speaking a word. No, prophecy is a lot of things. Amen. So to declare the, it also declares the divine will to interpret the purposes of the Father or to make known in any way the truth of the Father that is designed to influence people. Now, this particular way is really um, um, 
the most familiar way that I'm familiar with prophecy, that God uses me as far as a prophet is concerned, then a lot of times I'm calling out, you know, the purposes of, of people's lives. I'm calling out their destinies. I'm calling out um, the, the known truths of the Father, that they might have been praying about something in secret, and then I'm revealing the heart of the Father in that particular situation. Also, we must first know that prophecy, remember, has to be rooted and grounded in love. That has to be your foundation in which you speak prophetic words from. You cannot speak it anywhere else than from the place of love. Because if it's not coming from a place of love, then you're, you're sure to get into error. So you have to have a love for the people of God. You have to have a love for the needs of the people of God. Also, two things. When it comes to tongues, tongues is to build you up. That even though we come in here corporately and pray, you have to know that when you're praying and you're praying in tongues, there's just two things that you're doing. You're using it on a personal level to build you up and, you know, to pray out mysteries as well, but also to kind of clear the atmosphere. Um, for people um, that may be coming in, they got heavy weights, heavy burdens. Um, they might have been, like I said, they got up depressed that morning, ain't that morning. So what you're doing is that you're just breaking up the follow grounds of the heart, breaking up the stony places of the heart, okay, when you're in tongues. But the reason why I'm telling you that tongues are to build you up is because I have to let you know that prophecy is to build up the body of Christ. So the same way in which when we come in here and we begin to speak in tongues and it begins to build us up, prophecy does the same thing, but in that way to the body of Christ. So that same feeling that we get when we're praying in tongues or we feel ourselves increasing and be built up and being encouraged is the same thing that prophecy does for the body of Christ when we speak it forth. So the purpose of prophecy. Number one, edification of the body of Christ, meaning to build up, to build you up in your faith. Number two, exhortation of the body of Christ by calling people nearer to the Father. Now keep in mind, remember that I said that prophecy, it works different for different prophets. It works different for different people. So God may use you in edification when it comes to prophecy. God may use you in exhortation, which he uses Pastor Pierre in <laughs> a lot, you know, when it comes to prophecy and exhortation. When he begins to exhort, like my husband's um, gift of teaching kicks on, my gift of prophecy kicks on, so it's like a chain reaction that happens. So um, the next purpose of prophecy is comforting the body of Christ to set at ease and to encourage one another. And we have also seen this, that people come in, you know, they have burdens, they're sad, they have troubles, they have situations, and when they come in, we prophesy to them, it helps to comfort them. The next thing is to convict and convince people 
of sin leading to repentance and reconciliation through love. But once again, this is, if this is a private matter, and we know this is a private matter, that's when we pull people to the side, we tell them in their ear that it's a private matter because like I said, we, we don't wanna make people feel embarrassed. We don't wanna make people feel the shame, especially if the father has entrusted something to you that intimately. The next purpose of prophecies is testimonies so that people can realize that the Holy Spirit is in full operation of the gift of prophecy. Testimonies are so very important because it also helps to build up the body. When you testify, you are actually releasing a prophetic word. And that helps to encourage another person. And that's why we don't want to withhold testimonies here. So you, like I say, you just don't know what other people is going through. And just by what you're saying or whatever your testimony is, that can help them because they might be going through the same situation. And the last purpose of prophecy is that we operate in the gift of prophecy through love. And because of that, we do not prophesy judgment, damnation, or problems. But we will always prophesy the answer through love because that's really what people are coming for. They're coming for answers. They need answers. They want to know, is God real? They want to know, can my situation be fixed? All right, number 50 here, which would be number two, that we're going to is the gifts of the various kinds of tongues. Now, this was... My favorite to actually study um, because it just let me see that when I was early, early, early on in the church that, you know, the, a lot of times when we read something or something is presented to us, we don't know it's presented to us in the wrong way because the majority of the times, just going to be honest, well, I'm just going to be honest, talk about me back then. You know, you just take your pastor's word. There wasn't much studying to really anything. If the pastor said it, it was true. It was gold. <laughs> it's like, I don't care. Nope. Nobody came against the pastor. The pastor said it. It was true. So, we're, like I said, we have to get away from that. We have to have an ear to hear definitely what the pastor is saying, but we have to go back and study the word ourselves so we will know it to be true for ourselves as well. So the gift of the various kinds of tongues. Now, the reason why I said all of that is because the way in which the gifts of the various kinds of tongues has been presented has pretty much not been the truth. <laughs> After I read this, I'm like, it's just one of those things like, you know, we've adopted the saying, you can't make this up. <laughs> you really cannot make this up. You'll literally go back and read it. And you say, oh my God, it was there the whole time. It literally was there the whole time. How could I have just missed it totally? And sometimes, you know, it was depending on where you are in God at that time. Sometimes you just didn't have the heart to hear during that period of time. And maybe you just wasn't ready to receive at that time either. So the gift of the various kinds of tongues. Now, the gift of tongues, I'm going to slow it down a little bit. So you can really see this. The gift of tongues is a language given by the Holy Spirit and spoken by a believer. So 
we are not talking about the believer's prayer language or personal tongue that the Father gives with the baptism of the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. So that is another tongue. Right, so when you get baptized, you give your life to God, you receive Christ, you get the baptism um, of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, that is a tongue that's personal between you and your Father. Correct? Amen. So this is not talking about that. It says the gifts of the various kinds of tongues. Now, we're going to get to the scripture reference for this so you can actually see this with your own eyes. Now, the gift of the various kinds of tongues is there is the personal prayer language you get from the Father for building you up personally, praying out mysteries, and to speak directly to your Father, but this is not that. What I just described was your personal prayer language. Okay? Because I don't want you to get confused with the two because we... We've collided both of them. Every time we see the gifts of the various kinds of tongues, we thinking that, oh, we can speak in tongues some several different ways. But that's not what it's talking about. Now, the gift of the various types of tongues is the gift to speak in various types of natural foreign languages that the Father gives. It is the gift to speak in various types of natural foreign languages that the Father gives. So, I know I got to make some believers out of you. So, we're going to go to the scripture reference. So, it's going to be Acts 2, we're going 1 through 12. Acts chapter 2. 1 through 12. Now, I'm going to slow this down and read it. Because like I say, we got to be able to see what's going on here. And this is the TPT version. It says, on the day of Pentecost was being fulfilled. Right? So we're on the day of Pentecost. All the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly, they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could, could bear. Then all, of once, then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never heard. You with me? They had never learned. Now, at that time, there were Jewish worshipers who had immigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem. When the people of the city heard the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it was coming from, stunned over what was happening because each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language. Bewildered, they said to one another, 
aren't these all Galatians? So how is it that we hear them speaking in our own languages? We are Northeastern Iranians, Northwestern Iranians, Elamites, and those from Mesopotamia, Judea, East Central Turkey, the coast areas of the Black Sea, Asia, North Central Turkey, Southern Turkey, Egypt, Liberians who are neighbors of Cyrene, visitors from all over the Roman Empire, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Yet, we heard them speaking of God's mighty wonders in our own dialect. They all stood there, dumbfounded and astonished, saying to one another, what is this phenomenon? Now, verse 3, the word tongue in this passage of scripture converted in the Greek is the word glossa, G-L-O-S-S-A, glossa, which means the language or dialect used by a particular people distinct from that of other nations. So, as you can see, we had people from all walks of life there, from all different areas that spoke in actually their native tongue. They were amazed, he said, because when the Holy Spirit fell on them and the day of Pentecost, they were given gifts of various type of tongues. They began to speak in those people's native tongues. So whoever there, guess what, spoke in Arabian, they were speaking in Arabian. For theirs is what, for our present day, spoke in Spanish, guess what? Somebody was speaking in Spanish. Somebody was speaking in Korean. Also, furthermore, we see verse 9 through 10. It says that there was a representation, like I say, of every type of Jew from every type of nation there to witness this under heaven. And then in verse 11, it said they heard their own dialect. Now, that word dialect in verse number 11 is the Greek word dialectos. D-I-A-L-E-K-T-O, which means conversation, speech, and a tongue or language peculiar to any people. And then verse 8 begins to confirm it by them saying, we heard them speak in our own language. So, now, if you ask me, <laughs> the reason why we have not, so on, of course, people are like, okay, well, why haven't we experienced it then if it's in the Bible? And you say that, you know, we have the gift of various type of tongues. The reason why, which will actually will go into the interpretation of tongues, um, I think, after this. But I believe the reason why we have not experienced this because a lot of times we don't have a multicultural church. We don't have a church that speaks in various different languages. So guess what? If I go in tongues and I'm speaking in Korean and there's no Korean people here, there's no interpreter. There's no way of telling that I actually went in Korean. 
But if somebody speaks Korean, they can say, wait a minute, you just said X, Y, Z. How did you get the ability to speak in Korean? But a lot of times our churches are not very multicultural. They're one culture. So I believe that we will actually begin, the more the different cultures that come, actually come in, we actually will begin to experience the gifts of the various type of tongues and the interpretation of those tongues. So number 51, which is our number three tonight, is the gift of the interpretation of tongues. The gift of the interpretation of tongues. Now, the gift of the interpretation of tongues is a supernatural ability by the Spirit to interpret in the native tongue what is uttered in other languages not known by the one who interprets. So the basic bottom line is what I'm saying is that the gift is a, is a supernatural ability. You're interpreting by the Holy Spirit, which is revealing to you what is being said. You're interpreting and you're turning, and then you're interpreting and you're using your native tongue, which is right now for us, it would be English. For other countries who speak another language, it will be that language. So now, I want you to note this, that this is not translating a language, but divine interpretation of what the Spirit is saying through an unknown tongue. There's a difference between translating something and interpreting something. When you translate something, you're pretty much you're saying what that person said word for word. So if I say something in Spanish, then that person, guess what, translates it in English so that you can actually hear every word that I said. But when you're interpreting something, you're interpreting something that you personally have no knowledge of what that person said. And so you're hearing, you're trying to hear from the Spirit what that person is saying in an unknown tongue. So, to interpret means to paraphrase the meaning. And that is why sometimes when a person will go off on this, this long tongue, an interpreter will say, God says to love all people. Like, wait a minute, he just went into tongues about five minutes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure <laughs> that he said more than that. <laughs> But that's what it is. It's an interpretation. It's a paraphrase of what the person is saying. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. That can't be the truth. That's the spirit of error. <laughs> so a believer with the gift of the interpretation of tongues can understand what a tongue speaker is saying, even though he or she does not know the language that is being spoken. So the tongue's interpreter possesses the vocal gift of the Holy Spirit, then communicates the message of the tongue speaker. And I have some, you know, you guys give me some uh, questions. We'll do some questions and answers afterwards if you have any questions. Let's see. The, our next one is the gifts, gifts with S on it, gifts of healing. Because that's how it is in the Bible. Gifts of healing. 
Now, the Father can speak through any believer who has the gift of healing. So notice that I did not say, again, gift of healing. I said gifts of healing, speaking to different types of healing that you actually can be given the gift of. So remember, I told you that some, probably some lesson back, that a lot of these gifts you will use simultaneously. You will use them together. You'll use two or three or four different actual gifts together sometimes. So for instance, the Father can give you a word of knowledge, which is divine information concerning an issue. Then he can turn around and have you pray for a person, but at the same time, you might be discerning a spirit behind what's making that person sick. So you'll be using, you may use two or three different gifts at one time. Furthermore, the gifts of healing can be coupled, number one, with the power of prayer. And we know that in James 5 and 16, which I don't have up here, but you can write it down. James 5 and 16, it tells us that the effectual, what? Prayer of a righteous man or woman can accomplish what? Much can accomplish miracles. So now the disclaimer is this, that we know that with many gifts, the enemy will do what? Unleash counterfeits of everything. So we have to be mindful of scammers, imposters. But what do we do in order to help us? Because like I say, it's not us. So we don't have to put that weight on us that we have to identify, you know, anybody in the spirit that's trying to scam us. This is going to be revealed to you. So you can, like I say, take that weight off of you because, you know, that's where the gift of discerning of spirits come in to let you know this is not of the Lord. So those with the gift of healing can heal in various different ways. So when we talked about the gift of healing, we're talking about the gift to heal people medically, whether they have a medical illness, a sickness, an incurable disease. They just been diagnosed with a mental illness. It's also, you can have the gift of healing to heal people spiritually. I've seen people with the gift of healing to heal people spiritually from sins they've committed, strongholds that they're um, struggling with, people that's going through church hurt. And you can have the gift of healing emotionally, to emotionally heal people from past wounds and past pains from friends and family members and co-workers, the feelings of rejection, feeling abandoned. So I just want you to, I want to get you out of that box of when we're talking about the gift of healing that, you know, we're just thinking about, you know, laying hands on the sick. There's several different ways that you can be sick. <laughs> Amen. All right, so where are we at? We are on our last one. The gift of the working of miracles. The gift of the working of miracles. Now, the Father speaks through this powerful gift of the working of miracles, which is the supernatural power to intervene 
in the ordinary course of nature and to counteract natural laws if necessary. So the gift of the working of miracles do not submit to natural laws. This is where the, then we say that something is impossible. This is where it's fostering it. This is where it's working. It. It's working in the impossibility. It's breaking natural laws. Now, I personally believe that the greatest miracle that occurs today is the miracle of human salvation. And the reason why that I say that is that only the spirit of truth or the spirit of God or the Father can illuminate the word of God and reveal to other people who he is. And for, for that to be done, that is a miracle in itself, depending on where people are, you know, in their walk with God or they're not in their walk with God. So I believe that, you know, that the salvation is the greatest miracle in itself. Now, the supernatural gift was exhibited and demonstrated the gift of the work of miracles often in the apostolic office of Peter, of Paul, of Stephen and Philip amongst other believers in the Bible. So everywhere that they went, pretty much, they were working miracles. They were preaching the good news, baptizing people, bringing people to Christ into the family of God, and working what? The gift of working of miracles. They were working miracles, signs, and wonders. So what is a miracle? A miracle is something that is humanly impossible. So write this down. A miracle is something that is humanly impossible, but divinely simple. Humanly impossible, but divinely simple. Now, difficulty, when I talk about difficulty, it always has to be measured by the capacity of the agent that is doing the work. So, so you get what I said? When we talk about difficult and we talk about impossible, it is always measured by the capacity of the agent that is doing the work. So we don't measure it by what we have available naturally. When we're talking about something is impossible to do, we're talking about it in regards to the one in which we know can do it. So I'm going to show you what I mean. Now you got to bear with me because we're going through Romans, which is my favorite chapter to read always. We're going through Romans chapter four, verse 13 through 25, because there's something I need you to see in this. Romans 4, 13 through 25. We're, we're reading the message version because I need this broken down all the way. Now, verse 13 through 15. 
that famous promise God gave Abraham that he and his children would possess the earth was not given because of something Abraham did or would do. It was based on God's decision to put everything together for him, which Abraham then entered when he believed. If those who get what God gives them only get it by doing everything they are told to do and filling out all the right forms properly signed that eliminates personal trust completely and turns the promise into an ironclad contract. That's not a holy promise. That's a business deal. A contract drawn up by a hard-nosed lawyer and a plenty of fine print only makes sure that you will never be able to collect. But if there is no contract in the first place, simply a promise, and God's promise at that, you can't break it. This is why the fulfillment of God's promise depends entirely on trusting God and his way and then simply embracing him and what he does. God's promise arrives as a pure gift. That is the only way everyone can be sure to get in on it. Those who keep the religious traditions and those who have never heard of them. For Abraham is father of us all. He is not our racial father. That's reading the story backwards. He is our faith father. We call him Abraham father, not because he got God's attention by living like a saint but because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. Isn't that what we've always read in scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as father of many people. Abraham was first named father and then became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do. Raise the dead to life with a word, make something out of nothing. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyways, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. And so he was made father of a multitude of peoples, God himself said to him, you're going to have a big family, Abraham. Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say it's hopeless. This hundred-year-old body could never father a child, nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise, and he came up strong, ready for God, sure that God will make good on what he said 
what he had said. That's why it is said, Abraham was declared fit before God by trusting God to set him right. But it's not just Abraham, it's also us. The same thing gets said about us when we embrace and believe the one who brought Jesus to life when the conditions were equally hopeless. The sacrifice Jesus made us fit for God sets us right with God. Going back to what I said before I began to read this scripture, difficulty and impossibility is always has to be measured by the capacity of the agent that is doing the work. You never measure what you have in order to see what can be done. You always measure the one who has already done it and said that it is promised to you, and you hold fast to his promise and his ability to do it for you. So it took faith, and that's what faith is. The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. What he hoped for was to become a father. What he hoped for is to have a child. And when he hoped for that and trusted that God would make good on what he said, that hope, faith was able to grab that hope and manifest it in this realm. So it took faith coupled with the gifts of the working of miracles and the power of agreement to break the power of darkness, doubt, insecurity, sickness, and disease off of the entire life of people. So notice, he focused on the father's capacity to get it done. Not on his old age. He didn't focus on his strength. He didn't focus on how many years of infertility Sarah had, how many years he had left in his life on the earth. Not that he never had a child before. He didn't look at his circumstances and say it was hopeless, but his faith became converted like money. His faith became converted like money in the spirit, and it purchased what was already his, and it brought it to the natural realm. So likewise, it says in verse 25, it says that we also have been made righteous through our brother Jesus. We have been made righteous, meaning that we have, it's already been set up for us to receive. It's not something that we're doing. We're receiving the promises of God. We're receiving what he has already given us. Amen. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for your word tonight, Lord God. We thank you for this Bible study, Lord God, that as we go, Father, we thank you that we will continue, Father, to do a further study, Father, to Lord God. Continue, Father, to expand the capacity, Father, in which the knowledge and wisdom in which you give, Father. We thank you, Father, that this word has taken root, Father, in every person's heart that is here, Lord God. We thank you right now, Father, that one will water it, one will plant it, Father, hallelujah, and that you will get the increase for it. Thank you, Father, as we meditate on your word father and we father we thank you for what you're doing for the whole body of christ in jesus name we pray